broken on Nento. He'll dance, he'll step, he'll shoot, and he hits it at the buzzer. No time left, and the Rockets have won the game. We're here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am your co-host, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. And you can find my written work on the Dream Shake. And actually, I'll be doing some national work once once the season gets started. So make sure you're checking that out on SB Nation as well. Uh, Before we get too far into it, of course, I want to let my co-host introduce himself. All right, I'm Vader. You can find me on Twitter. TikTok and Instagram at Vader underscore H-Town. Um, I post mostly Rockets related stuff and a little bit of Texans and Astros. And of course, we have a huge show coming up because we have our season preview show. We're going to be talking about, of course, the Rockets upcoming games next week against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Atlanta Hawks uh, that they have coming up to start the season. Uh, but before we get into that in the second segment, we're going to be talking about of course, the Rockets uh, preseason that just wrapped up yesterday where they uh, were able to knock off the Pacers and finish the preseason three and one. So they had a really good preseason. Again, we know it's preseason, but when you're the worst team in the league for two years running, you pretty much take any positive news, um, whether it's preseason or not. And some of that positive news is one of the things we're going to talk about first, and that's going to be the backcourt, specifically Jalen Green. Um, something I was posting throughout the day and throughout the game was just the difference you can see in Jalen Green. Now, we saw some of this at the end of last year, especially when Christian Wood was out. But you can tell he is he looks like a, a totally different player when it comes to getting to the basket, absorbing contact. He actually seeks out contact now. Like last year, a lot of times it seemed like he was kind of hesitating and shying away from contact, which then led to a bad shot once he got to the rim. But this year, he looks like a totally different player. His handle's a lot tighter. He's a lot more confident. Um, yesterday he had an, another huge game. When I'm mistaken, he finished with uh, 33 points yesterday on 15 um, so shots. On 15 shots, I mean, extremely efficient. And of course, I don't want to leave out his backcourt mate, um, Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, you can just tell the chemistry that they have together is really growing on the court. And yes, Kevin Porter Jr. is never going to be a traditional point guard, so that should just go out the window for anybody that's still asking about that. But he fits perfectly with Jalen Green because they both know how to play off each other. Um, neither one of them um, are the type of player that has to have the ball in their hands for 20, 25 seconds to get a shot off. And you could tell again last night they had another great game um, to where they were the majority of the Rockets offense, especially in the first quarter. Um, so both of them have really good, efficient games. It's a really strong start. It's actually a continuation from the last two weeks of last year into this year. So I think that's something you're going to see going into uh, the upcoming season as well. Um, so that's definitely one of the things we're going to talk about here is some of the good and also, unfortunately, some of the disappointing things that we've seen in this preseason. So I'm going to let you kick it off, Vader. What's some of the uh, the good and disappointing things that you saw so far in this preseason? Well, I'm definitely going to start off with the good. I mean, let's clear the court. Let me get my ISO in because uh, <laughs> we had a we had a lot of uh, discourse this week about Jalen Green's future as a six man. We had a lot of discourse about KPJ doesn't even need to be on the Rockets team. And for them to come out last night and do what they did, man, like 
that was huge for me. Like I, yeah. I couldn't even sleep last night. I was telling you uh, before we even started that I think I woke up at 3 a.m. I woke up at yeah. like 4.30 a.m. I woke up at like six something. And, I, and and what did I do when I woke up? I was watching Rockets highlights. Like it's crazy. I think I have a problem. <laughs> That's dedication right there. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this team, man. Like I couldn't believe the stuff that I was seeing on the court last night. And I know um, we always give that caveat as the preseason, but you know what? Like today, like right now, I'm not even, I'm not even worried about that because I see growth in these young guys, man. And uh, for them to hear all of that stuff that, and I know they heard it because there was a, at one point, I think Jalen Green kind of posted a cryptic message, you know, yeah. kind of um, going back at some of those haters that were saying those things about him. You know, we, we've gotten the, you know, y'all should have drafted this guy. Y'all should have drafted that guy. KPJ yeah. is, is a bad locker room dude. And, and they heard it and you could tell they came out last night and they put on a performance and, uh, Chris Duarte, poor, poor guy. This dude is supposed to be a three and D wing. He, he you know, no they drafted chance. him. He was an older, <laughs> he was an older uh, draft pick. Yeah. You know, he's supposed to be NBA ready. And every time Chris Duarte found himself on uh, Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green, they destroyed that man. Like I, I, I hope he's okay today because uh, he <laughs> he went through a lot last night. I'm sure he probably yeah. woke up a few times in the middle of the night, just like I did, because uh, he got cooked. I mean, let's just be yeah. honest and. You know, no offense to him, you know, no disrespect, but that is how good uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green are. You saw a progression. Uh, there were some there were some moments last year where I'm not even going to lie to you. I did doubt whether or not Kevin Porter Jr. would be a solution at point guard. I never doubted his ability. I never doubted him as an NBA player. I just yeah. thought maybe he might be better as a wing. He might be better uh, even, you know, being one of those Jamal Crawford guys that can come off the bench and get you 20 to 30 points any given night. Um, but the, the pace he's playing with, the patience, I saw him calm his guys down last night. I saw him do the things that you actually want to see in a point guard. And I think, you know, him, us going through the ups and downs with him last year, um, the, the, the bumps in the road, you know, he had a few moments, especially at the beginning of the year where he just looked uncomfortable. He looked like he did not know what he wanted to do on the court. And yeah. if you contrast that to what you saw during this preseason, uh, KPJ is a different player. He's a different player, Richard, and and I'm excited for it because he has a lot on the line as far as his reputation. You know, people are slandering his name on the internet. Um, you know, saying that he 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 can't do this, he can't do that. He's not going to be this. He's not going to be that. He needs to be, you know, out of the league, maybe in in, in China or you know who, who knows. You know, they're saying all yeah. kinds of things about him, and he knows he has a contract on the line uh, as well. And I think he's going to come out this year and he's going to do everything in his power to, to to secure the bag, you know. And then, like, I can't say enough for Jalen Green. Like, we knew, <clears throat> we knew, excuse me, we knew that when he put on, like, a little bit of muscle and he got a little stronger, that he was going to be a lot better. But, oh, right. my goodness, like, this is ridiculous. Like, this dude is, like, taking contact he, he's cuffing the ball, and he tried to do this a few times last year, but he's cuffing the ball like a running yeah. back. He's putting it right under his arm. He's absorbing contact, and he's going up strong, and he's finishing through guys. Miles Turner is a premier shot blocker in the NBA. He's always at the top. Um, if you look at statist statistically every year, Miles Turner is at the top, um, you know, as far as block shots. And he took uh, – he, he drove right into Miles Turner's chest – and he looked like he wanted to dunk on him. I think that was his initial his initial intention was to dunk. Yeah. And Miles Turner met him at the rim, and he absorbed the contact. I mean, I don't know if Miles Turner went straight up and down. You know, maybe I'm biased. I thought that was a foul, 
But yeah. Jalen Green, like the the strength and the, the balance and the body control that he had in the air to like bring that dunk down and like change it into a layup and finish, that was shades of the Michael Jordan. Like I hate to say it, like anytime you bring up Michael <laughs> Jordan or you know Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. Yeah. You know, people get people get upset, they get heated. But when you look at Jalen Green's comps, his comparisons, his true comparisons, like who do you compare him to athletically and skill wise? There's only a handful of guys who you can compare Jalen Green to. Yeah, he has a long way to go to get there. I'm not saying that he is Michael Jordan or or, or Kobe Bryant. That would be insane for me to say right now. I'm just saying that that the, the level of talent that he has at this age is very comparable. And so the sky's the limit. I can keep talking, Lashard, because I'm like I said, I'm hyped. Like I'm still hyped. It's still early right now. As we're recording, it's still early in the morning. But I'm telling you, man, like I'm super excited about the season. And um, I don't even want to talk about the negatives just yet. I'll let you jump in and then we can circle (laughs) back to that. But right now, KPJ and Jalen Green, JG4, they look like the backcourt of the future. That that is the most athletic young backcourt in the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I just I just want people when they're looking at players like Jalen Green, not to just look at the numbers, to actually look at. And this is where when people make comments that don't follow a particular team, they should probably either do the research or talk to people to actually follow the team. Because you can see from when Jalen Green, like you mentioned, how he started last year. And there was a lot of other factors into it, like we talked about ad nauseum from the lineup to – him being a rookie to shooting guards trying to come into the league, that's always going to be a lot more difficult than a center coming in the league, a la Evan Mobley. Um, because, uh, of course, the shooting guard, especially the guy that's supposed to be the number one guy, is going to have a lot more on his shoulders. But you can tell that Jalen Green's never going to be LeBron James size. I, I don't think he's never going to get that big. He's, you know, but he's, he's put on muscle uh, to the point where it helps him, like you mentioned, on the drive to the basket to where he's not getting knocked off the ball, to where when people try to rip it, like on the one play where he was driving to the basket and, like you say, he cuffed, cuffed the ball like a running back and they tried to knock it out of his hand and they couldn't even move the ball. He It didn't even knock him off his path. He still was able to go straight to the basket. Um, all those things start to add up, especially when you already have a lot of talent because every NBA player we know, I mean, whether we call them garbage or whatever they say on Twitter about certain players, every NBA player has talent or they wouldn't have been able to get to the NBA. But it, it's not just talent that's going to get you to the next level. You have to work on your game. And I know it was a it was a crazy thing for a while. People were talking about, damn, is Jalen Green working now? We never see any workout videos of Jalen Green, which, I mean, which is just, it looks ridiculous which is crazy. now. It looks absolutely it looks, foolish. It looks, that's, that's exactly why I'm bringing it up because it looks crazy because you could tell – that he's been working on his game, especially his ball handling. I just want people to just not even look at his shot because his shot has has always been, uh, you know, a beautiful jump shot. But just look at his ball handling; it's a lot more tighter. He's a lot more confident with it. He's not to the point where he's only taking one or two dribbles and pulling up and then trying to pass a ball. He can actually can keep and actually control his dribble now to where he can actually get open shots. Like it was a couple of times off of pick and rolls where he was able to continue his dribbling, get wide open shots. Because again, you know, not to go too far off into that, but some people was talking about before, because they actually have people that set good picks. So he's able to get around those picks and get those mid-range shots off. So I just want people to actually just look at the fundamentals of Jalen Green's game. And that's why he's going to jump up from, what, 17 points a game last year to probably 22, 23 points a game this year, because 
he's progressing past just being a jump shooter or somebody that can dunk the ball. He's kind of working on this entire game. And just like you said with Kevin Porter Jr., his progression, of course, has been a little bit slower, but of course he's learning an entirely different position. So you can start to see now he's he's realizing that, okay, I don't have to be a pure point guard. I don't have to be the guy that has the ball in my hands 22 seconds out of a 24-second shot clock because that's not the way the Rockets are going to run the, the run their offense now. Jalen Green's going to have the ball in his hand a lot. Alperen Shangun's still going to have the ball in his hands, even though it's not as much as some people may want. But he's still going to have the ball in his hands. It was a couple of good plays he had where he pump faked at the three-point line, drew in the defense, and kicked it out to Jalen Green for an open three. So, I mean, you get me Kevin hyped Jr. again, man, because when you start talking <laughs> about Jalen Green yeah. uh, uh, playing on ball and KPJ playing off ball, we saw we saw a yeah. glimpse of how that was going to look at the end of last year, and it looked great, right? And yeah. now it is even better. Like, the way I'm talking about Jalen Green kind of makes it seem like he wasn't good last year. He he went on an all-time tear as a rookie last yeah. year to end the season, and we were all, like, really hype about it because – you know, he did something that only like a guy like Allen Iverson had been able to accomplish in his rookie season as far as scoring yeah. records and 30 point games. So I'm not trying to diminish what he did at the end of end of the season last year because he he basically almost averaged, you know, 20, 28, 30 points a game to close yeah. out the season. <clears throat> but this looks different. It just looks different. And I, I've, I've said that and um, I got a little pushback on it at first. But I think people are now starting to understand, like like you were just saying, his handle looks completely revamped. Yeah. Um and some of it is confidence, but also the fact that he's so much stronger and you can tell he's been, um, you know, a lot of the times he'd get bumped and he'd lose the ball. That's not happening right now. And then obviously he's been doing ball handling drills. I've seen some um, practice footage of some of the stuff that they've been doing with the guys and it's really paying off. Like his, his confidence is sky high and he brought the ball up the court and initiated the offense a lot uh, this, yeah. this previous game against Indiana. And it worked out well because, you know, KPJ is a knockdown uh, spot up three point shooter. You know what I mean? So like, this is this is almost like a match made in heaven. We had a spaces last night, and I, I kind of made the, I kind of brought up, um, you know, a lot of people wanted Paulo. We we do know that, but if Jalen Green is going to take this kind of leap, second year, like he's he he's taking a leap in preseason. That kind of looked. I was expecting him to get here, but I was thinking maybe third or fourth year. If if this continues into the regular season, and this is the leap that he's already made year two. Um, and then we saw the progression in KPJ's game um, already too this preseason. Like if, if that's the case, if these two guys are going to play at this level, Jabari Smith Jr. is actually, when you think about it, the perfect, the perfect. fit with yep. these guys because yeah. Paulo takes the ball out of their hands, right? Paulo takes the ball out of out of their hands not because he's a ball dominant player, but he is better utilized with the ball in his hands. Well, and so, we were talking about that. Um, well, I was just saying we were talking about that last year with Paulo. We were worried about because of Shangun factor, and we weren't really even factoring in well the Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. factor as well, taking the ball out of their hands. So, like you said, Jabari Smith is actually fits perfectly, and that's kind of why I, I was on record. I was saying Chet uh, for the longest, and really the main I reason like was too. I like Chet. Yeah, the main reason was because he doesn't need the ball in his hand, and the same thing about Jabari, he doesn't need the ball in his hand. Paulo Bancaro is the type of player that has to have the ball in his hands. I mean, maybe that changes. Maybe eventually he becomes a, a better outside shooter or, or you know, something like that. But right now, for him to be utilized the way that he was projected out of college, he has to be one of the primary ball handlers. So, And that wasn't going to happen here because 
Kevin Porter Jr., then you got Alperen Shankoon, then you got Jalen Green. You already have guys. I mean, honestly, when Eric Gordon's in the in the game, sometimes he's even handling the ball as a starter. And Jay Sean Tate <laughs> thinks he's the the primary ball handler sometimes too. <laughs> yes. So you have several people that 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 think they're ball handlers on the team already. So putting Paulo with that, a guy that doesn't really stretch the floor. You need guys to stretch the floor around Kevin Porter, and that's a whole other thing. We haven't even seen Jabari Smith the last three games. So when and again, I'm not consider I'm, that. I mean, come yeah. on, man. Like this, this, this could get kind of scary. I'm, you know, I'm not a tank advocate. I don't want us to tank, but now no. I'm getting a little worried. And you know, this is this may be the homer in me, but I'm just getting a little worried right now that we're going to be too good this year. Like, <laughs> I, well, I, I like mean, I said, honestly, if if we're so good that we do, if we are in contention for a plan at the end of the year, then that's that's honestly that's honestly great because that means that Jalen hit. That means that Shingoon yeah. probably hit, and that means that KPJ has become something that we were hoping that he be, he could become. And like you said, like some of the other pieces just fit in, like Jabari and Tari. Like we, there's a lot of talent on this team. There's a lot of there's a lot of things to be excited about, especially when you consider we still have probably uh, max cap space for two guys, and yeah. then also like this up this next draft too. This next draft pick should be an impact player. So you are potentially looking at adding at least three more impact players to this roster um to to what we already have and, and these guys are like what 19 to 22 years old most of them yeah future future looks really bright for the for the houston rockets Raphael yeah. soon is doing a fantastic job well and and but and that kind of leads me and we were talking you talked a little bit about their possible you know being better than they were last year the one thing that's going to hold them back and i, I was going to talk about individual players but i actually want to talk about something as a whole is their defense. That's the one thing that's going to possibly hold them back to being um, a lot better than they were last year. I still think they're going to have a better record than they did last year for sure because they just have too much you know, young talent on the team. But their defense is the one thing that's going to possibly hold them back because um, I haven't really seen – again, this goes back to not having Jabari Smith, but Jabari Smith's not a magic wand where he can get, he can create and, and stop every – other player on some on the opposing team um he's going to definitely help for sure but that's going to be the one issue that they're going to have to continue to work on that they're going to have to fix going into the following year when they're really trying to contend for a playoff spot is they have to get better on the defensive end because they still have like even last night they had lapses where indiana was able to get back into the game because they weren't as aggressive on defense or they were letting people get to the basket too easily. Um, so that's definitely something that they're going to have to work on um, going into next season. Uh, but one player I do want to talk about that's had kind of a mixed bag season before we wrap up the first segment. Not disappointing, but a little bit worrying is is Alperin Shangun. And it's just because it he still seems like he's trying to figure out where his spot is on the team. Um, because I think the Rockets are even still trying to figure this out because – and we know that Alperen Shangun is one of the best post-up guys already in the NBA. We know he's a great passer. But when you have a backcourt dynamic as the, the Rockets have right now, you don't necessarily want to take the ball out of the hands to run a 1990s post-up offense. Um, nothing against Shangun, but he isn't Akeem Olajuwon. You're not going to run your offense through Alperen Shangun. And I know people may not want to hear that, but you're not going to run your offense through him 90% of the time, 80% of the time. At this point, I don't even know if you're going to run it through it 50% of the time. I know people were getting upset because the Rockets said that they're going to be having them in, in, in a lot of pick and rolls. But when you have Jalen Green, you have Kevin Porter Jr., 
you need to have the ball in their hands. And then Alper and Shangun is going to have to, they just got to figure out a way to where they can give him the ball at certain points in the game, especially if it's a matchup they like to where he can force a double team. But if he's going against uh, Rudy Gobert or uh, Joel Embiid, you're not going to be pushing the ball to Afro and Shangun, trying to force it down in the post um, just because you know that he's a good post player. That's just not good offense. And that's also going to take away from, honestly, your two best player right now, which is Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. So Alper, like I said, Afro and Shangun was a mixed bag. On defensive end, he's still making the silly fouls that he, just, he cannot make um, because we all know that Right now, Bruno Fernando is the backup. And one other thing I want to get to, I meant to get to when we first started, the Rockets actually made several moves um, leading up into this game. Um, They released Theo Maladome. They released um, Derek Favors. They signed Trey Mitchell, who was with the Vipers last year and played with the Rockets in the summer league. And then they dropped him. And they brought in Willie Cauley-Stein. Now, a lot of these moves have to do with the – Rockets getting their player rights for them to play with the Vipers at some point throughout this year. So that's what a lot of these moves were back and forth, uh, bringing in guys. And also they brought in, um, I think his name is Darius Days, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, they brought in several players and really had to do with the Vipers. But I bring up all that to say that Bruno Fernando is going to be the backup center. Uh, Willie Collistown is going to be in the G League. Um, Uzma Garuba. I don't know where he's going to be at at this point. He, more than likely, he's probably going to start the year with the Vipers as well um, because, as you saw, they were trying to met, um, run him at the power four because they believe enough in Bruno that Bruno's going to get pretty much all the backup minutes. And Boban is still on the roster for a particular situation where they need him. So I say all that to say that Shangoon has to stay out of foul trouble this year because he's going to be getting 25, 30 minutes a game. So if he's still making silly fouls like over the back or reaching fouls, He's going to get in foul trouble real quick this year, and he's not going to be on the court anyway. So he that's one thing he definitely has to work on is staying out of foul trouble um, because he's going to be the man this year. They're going to give Bruno some time, but I don't think they want to run Bruno out there 25 minutes a game. So Shangun's going to get his chance this year. He's just going to have to adjust his game to Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. That's just the way – that's the hierarchy. It's Jalen Green, it's Kevin Porter Jr., and then everybody else got to work their way around. And maybe Jabari Smith eventually gets to the point where he's up in the hierarchy, but he's a rookie. So he still has to work his way to there. So everybody else has to work their games around the backcourt's games right now. So, like I said, Alperen Shangun wasn't disappointing, but he was like a mixed bag for me um, when it comes to players that should have done better. So was there any areas um, for the Rockets or players that – maybe it were disappointing for you or I should have done better in your eyes? Um, I'll start with Shangun because for me, um, I'm a believer in him as far as he has a basketball IQ that is probably second to none or, or very few in the NBA. He he thinks the game and he sees the game offensively. Um, it's just special, right? His passes, um, he, he sees guys open before they probably even realize they're open. And that's a special talent. Um, so I, I, I'll start with that. Um, he does a lot of things that are like really highlight worthy uh, material. Yeah. Like he makes great plays. They're very exciting. But as far as um, when you look at what has, what has been, what has been the formula for uh, winning basketball, you know, the past couple of decades, it's not been a, a, a post of big that you yeah. run the offense through. You've had um, either small ball centers like Draymond Green, 
You had uh, the the rim running uh, defending centers uh, like Robert Williams and also the, pretty much everybody else on um, Golden State other than uh, Draymond and you know yeah. even the guys Cleveland had Miami. None of these none of these teams really had a a guy at center that was a a focal point, right? So when you look at our team and the fact that yeah, Shingun has all of these really uh, interesting abilities offensively as far as being a, a really he's a he's a really good post up player and he's a really good passer but outside of that you kind of wonder is this a guy who can start on the championship level team and I hate to say that because usually when you say something like that it's almost like you're people feel like you're slandering him or you're saying that he's not a you know he's not going to be a really good player which I don't believe at all I mean he just turned 20 years old um right now I just don't know is he a starter I definitely think he's going to, he's an impact player off the bench, like a, a 25 to 30 minute player off the bench, at least. I do think that there is an opportunity for him to carve out a, a niche for himself as a high level starter, but he is going to have to rectify some of his defensive deficiencies because yeah. right now, I don't know if you can play through him, especially when you have uh, KPJ and Jalen Green coming into their own. You don't want to slow down the offense and, and, and just create all these post-up opportunities uh, just to make Shingun comfortable, yeah, he should get some post ups in the in the flow of the offense. You know, at times we we shouldn't go completely away from that. But I don't think a, a, a Nikola Jokic model for this team is the right is the right formula for success when you have two young dynamic guards who can play make and score at will. I just don't know. So right now, like I, I, I'm, you know, Shingun, this is only him entering his second year. I have high hopes for him. He's going to have a full season to kind of like show what he can and can't do. Um, I'm not going to use the preseason as a barometer for him just yet because we have 82 games left to play. But I, yeah. I definitely want to see him clean up the, the fouling situation. Like last year, that was a Achilles heel for him as far as um, just fouling. And, and, and it's the silly fouls. Like you're going to get fouls uh, just by playing that position. But they can't be the reach fouls that he gets. They can't be the ones where he's just swiping at the ball. I know uh, – uh, when I watched Garuba last year, he did a lot of the same things. So I don't know if that was just like the way that they allowed you to play. You allowed you to play a little more handsy overseas or whatnot, as yeah. far as like you know, reaching in and, and like you know, you know, chopping down on the ball without getting a foul call. But in the NBA, those are fouls. If you swing your arm like with any kind of velocity, <laughs> you know, the referees yeah. are going to call that whether it's a foul or not. Even if you just hit all ball, most likely they're going to assume that you fouled that that guy that's shooting. So. He has to understand that. He has to clean that up. And then there were a few times um, in the in the previous game where I just know he's just out of position a little bit. He is as smart as he is offensively. Um, it, it's not the same level of uh, defensive intelligence. So um, sometimes he's just a little late on a rotation. And when you're late on a rotation and you're not like super, you know, super athletic, and, you know, especially laterally, you know, he is athletic. He's he's, uh, you know, I don't want to use the term sneaky athletic, but like he'll dunk on you. Right. But as far yeah. as like moving laterally, I saw a few times he was just out of position and he tried to slide back into position. And that kind of led to him, you know, kind of being and, you know, susceptible to getting that, that whistle blown on him. So there, yeah. there's just some things defensively that I would like to see, because um, when we saw last year when he was out of the lineup and we just had a guy in there just doing the dirty work, like everything still everything still flowed offensively. And then you still and then you also had the the. Uh, addition of having a guy on the other end who is like rebounding at a high level and playing defense at a at a little bit higher level than Shingun. So 
in order for him to like really, really like make himself, you know, the player into that we want him to be. Yeah, he ha- he has some things to clean up, but he's gonna have 82 games to do it. So we'll just we'll just keep an eye on that. And then um, the only other player that I can think of that played a little bit below what I'm expecting is Josh. Um, <clears throat> we talked about the the KPJ jump, and we talked about the the Jalen Green jump. I'm expecting a similar. Um, I'm expecting a similar jump for for Josh Christopher because, like, when I look at him, I feel like he can do anything on the basketball court that he puts his mind to. Um, but he he struggled a little bit, but I feel like he has the personality. He's he's another one that I'm not I'm not too worried about, but I'd like to see him be a little bit. I think I think he has a perfect and a and a golden opportunity right in front of him to make himself that third guard to where yeah. um, there's a you know some teams go just go with a three guard rotation. And I would like him to be able to play so well that it's like, okay, we don't necessarily need to bring in Ty Ty or or Knicks or, you know, like if we end up not having EG at any point in time, I, I want Silas to feel comfortable with with running, you know, with running those guys interchangeably. And so that's that's one thing that I'm hoping for because I'm a huge Josh Christopher fan. I believe in his talent and his ability. Yeah. So I just want him to like, you know, I hope when the season starts, the light clicks on because you remember last year, he came out gangbusters. He he played so well that I think he played himself into the rotation. I and I think a lot of us thought he was going to spend the season down in RGB, and he he basically outplayed that. So those are the two guys right now that I'm just hoping to see a little bit more from. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean I agree. Of course, we've talked a lot about Dacia Nix and Ty Ty Washington. I think at this point they're not really even going to factor a lot into the minutes as backup point guard. Maybe that changes throughout the year, but I think for now. As you can see with the Rockets rotations, um, that either they're going to stagger KPJ or Jalen Green, and one of them are going to continue to have the ball, or Josh Christopher is going to be running the offense, and then you also have Jay Sean Tate, who's probably going to be coming off the bench, who may run a little bit of the offense as well. So at this point, um, Dacian Nix and Ty Ty Washington are, are kind of on the outside looking in. I still think Nix is probably going to be on the opening night uh, roster more than likely. Um, as far as not being in the G League, because I just don't think the G League is a path for him right now. I think he's already exhausted that. He's already did everything he can there. So, But I think Ty Ty Washington is probably going to be the candidate to go down to the G League, which would be perfect for him. Because to me, he's the type of player that doesn't need two or three minutes a game. I don't think that's really going to benefit him right now. I think he needs to be playing 30 minutes a game, which he absolutely will be doing. He will be the starter, of course, (laughs) with the Vipers, who run a really high up-tempo offense. I don't think that's going to change. Um, this year, even with the new uh, with Coach Burleson taking over, because the Rockets tend to keep the um, they tend to have the Vipers run the exact same offense that they run at the NBA level. So I think that would be perfect for Ty Ty Washington actually to go down in G League. But yeah, I agree with you. Josh is again another one kind of had an up and down uh, training camp, uh, summer league, preseason. So. I think it's again with him, it's just finding his role exactly where he's going to be this upcoming season because it's just so much, it's so much moving parts right now for the Rockets because it's just so many players that are good enough to be NBA players. Um, so the Rockets still trying to figure that out, even though we're now going into the regular season, which is what we're going to be talking about in the next segment. We're going to be talking about the upcoming season, the Rockets' uh, first game, and also their home opener that happens next week. So please stick around. And welcome back to the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. 
Of course, in the first segment, uh, Vader and I were discussing the Rockets preseason uh, that they finished three and one and some of the good and a few of the disappointing things that we saw throughout uh, the preseason. In the second segment, we're going to be discussing the upcoming games next week where we actually get uh, basketball that goes into the books. Regular season starts next week uh, for every team, including the Rockets. Uh, They have two actually tough games to start the year. Um, So we're going to be breaking down those games a little bit here and also uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about players that we think may possibly get awards this upcoming year, whether it's all rookie or most improved or what, whatever we think uh, some of the Rockets may actually get some hardware um, in the next upcoming season. But I kind of want to start off with, of course, the opening night game that the Rockets have against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the last time we saw the Atlanta Hawks in the regular season, Jalen Green was scoring 40, <laughs> scoring a career high 40 plus points against them uh, last year. Of course, we may see a little bit of a different team because um, last year, of course, Atlanta was getting ready for the playoffs. So they were kind of in shutdown mode. But I think they're going to be full go uh, once we get into uh, next week's game. So, Vader, I kind of want to start there with you. What's going to be what? some of the kind of the keys that you uh, – well, I was going to say, what's some of the keys that you see going into uh, their season opener against Atlanta next week? I think you're right. The fact that Jalen sco- scored over 40 points against them, you know, to to close the season last year is definitely going to put him on their radar. You know, not that he wouldn't be on it already, you know, because he's yeah. he's going to be our leading scorer this season. I don't think there's any question about that. Oh, yeah. However, I think he's he's put a little target on his back because that game was like that was not his breakout game, but that was just one of those games that kind of stamped him, you know, as OK, I've arrived. Right. So I think they're going to come out with a little bit extra uh, defensive um, intensity and focus towards Jalen. However, you know, Atlanta is not really known as a defensive team. Um, yeah. They have added uh, DeJounte Murray. So he he is a known defender. He has like a ridiculous and freakish wingspan. Uh, he does, you know, he does defend. He, he and KPJ are like childhood friends or whatever. So, you know, there's that little um, that little subplot going on there, too, because those guys are really close. And, you know, they compete against each other at a high level. So I'm just looking forward to it. I mean, you have Trey Young, you have DeJounte Murray, you have Kevin Porter Jr., you have Jalen Green to open the season. That is an amazing, like, backcourt matchup right there. And I think we get to see, like, from, from game one where we are. That's a playoff team. That's a team that, like, not last year but the year before made a lot of noise in the playoffs. Um, last year they fell a little bit short of what their ultimate goal was, but that's why they made a lot of uh, changes to the roster. Yeah. So I think we'll see a we'll see a good game against them. Like this will be a good measuring stick for us. And I think that our guys are going to be up to the challenge. When you look at it player to player, yeah, we're super young, but I think we we may match up with better with a lot of these teams teams than we than we thought we did um coming into the season, just looking at some of the stuff that we are um doing in the preseason. I know you mentioned defensively was still a concern. However, when you consider we haven't we got one game of Jabari. Right. We got like not even one game of Jay Sean Tate. Those are arguably I mean, you can make an argument. Those are our two best defensive players. Like, I, I think you could make a legitimate case for that. And they haven't even played. And we've still like I, I think our defense has slacked out, slacked off the last couple of games. But um, we've still been super competitive on that end of the floor. You know, there's been some lapses for sure. But when you add those two guys back into the mix, and you go up against a um, a team like Atlanta. I think we can. I think we should be able to go out and compete. I'm really looking forward to that game, um, and also the Memphis game. I think one of uh, Jalen Green's first breakout games was actually against John Morant. Like we went yeah. into that game kind of thinking, um, 
you know, like we were going to get run off the floor because Memphis was kind of clicking on all cylinders at that point. But he came out there. He had that. He anytime Jaw was on him, uh, Jaw was food for, for Jalen Green. Like anytime he came out to defend <laughs> yeah. Jalen, he could not defend him at all. I almost started to wonder. I'm like, is John Morant really this bad of a defender or is Jalen Green this good? Like that's how that's how crazy it was because he was just yeah. like blowing right past him. And then there was that epic um, shot that he made on Brandon Clark where he unleashed this uh, NBA 2K <laughs> dribble package that Crossed we never saw before, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did the hezzy in and out, like in between the legs, step back, and, you know, it, it went, you know, super high up and then it hit nothing but net. So those are two games I'm really looking forward to, man. Like um, just, just, just talking about them with you right now is just kind of getting me like super, super uh, excited and, and ready yeah. for this season to get started. Like, what are some of the things you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, and also just real quick on Brandon Clark, he actually did it to him twice. It was another time on the other end of the court where he crossed him over, took him to the basket, got an and one. So yeah, Brandon Clark was having a pretty bad night. I don't think he even wants to see Jalen Green. And he's, uh, a player, he's a good defensive player too. He's a good defensive player too. So like that's the thing. Player, like yeah. like Jalen Green, I, I don't want to bring up other teams' players because you know yeah. this is a Rockets thing, but um you look at a guy like Cade over the preseason, like we talked about, oh, it's just preseason. But like people in Detroit are saying, oh, it's just preseason for a different reason because Cade has not looked that Struggles. good, right? Yeah. I would rather our guy come out in preseason and like destroy everybody and look like the second coming. Uh, and then we, you know, put the little hat on it that, oh, it's just preseason. We don't want to get our hopes up too high, but like, it's just preseason. Rather than like Jalen Green coming out <clears throat> and then just not, you know, not quite looking right, kind of, you know, looking a little off. And that's what's kind of happening um, in Detroit with Cade. Like, I feel like the way people thought that Jalen Green and KPJ were going to look together, like it not fitting and them having a hard time playing off of each other. That's kind of what you're seeing right now in Detroit with Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham. And Cade yeah. Cunningham does not have the same. Cade Cunningham is, is better at, at certain things than Jalen Green is, but he's not better, you know, as an ISO scorer. He's not, He's he, he does not have the same kind of first step. You know, he gets a lot yeah. of his advantages in pick and roll situations so anyways i you know kind of got off on a tangent but uh i'm well, go ahead well yeah but I, no i understand what you're saying because yeah they're they're and for when people are trying to compare them they're two totally different players they have two total different skill sets um and, and the great thing about it actually when you talk about skill sets Jalen green is actually kind of morphing more into a k cunningham skill set as far as a playmaker going into his second you season can't make yeah. A guy, super athletic, like an S tier athlete. You know what I mean? Or, <laughs> like, or, or big time what... score. That's usually not how it happens. It, right, it, right. I mean, they can get better at scoring, but they're not going to turn into an elite level scorer. You can make somebody a, a a better overall passer and better and you know able to get the ball out quicker. Not to say that Jalen Green is ever going to be a, an elite playmaker. I mean, it's a possibility, but that's that that doesn't even something that he necessarily have to even be. But like you saying, Kay Cunningham now all of a sudden going to wake up one day and be able to have a 45-inch vertical. That's just not going to happen. So, I mean, you would much rather have a Jalen Green where he is, have to work on the things that Kay Cunningham is good at, than vice versa, because Kay Cunningham is just not going to be able to do some of the things Jalen Green can do ever. It's not going to happen. So I, I definitely understand your point there. But what I'm definitely looking for, like you were mentioning with the Atlanta game, is – Yes, Atlanta has a dynamic backcourt now as well, but it's not a dynamic backcourt that's a defensive um, stopper 
type of backcourt. It's not somebody that you're going to go out and you have to worry about that they're going to put the clamps on the Rockets' backcourt. They're going to score points, sure, but I don't see either one of those guys being able to – like who's going to guard Jalen Green in this in this situation? I mean, I have to assume it's probably going to be DeJounte Murray, but, but DeJounte then, Murray – And then KPJ is running wild on Trey Young. On Trey Young, exactly. So that's kind of where it's going to be a back-and-forth battle with that. And, yes, they, they have Clint Capella. They have Collins. Collins was out a lot of last year, but he's – if, if I'm not mistaken, unless he's gotten hurt since I last checked, he's, he should be in the starting lineup coming up. They have Bojan, uh, Bojanovic. Um, he's more of a gunner type player. He's not really a defensive type of player. So, yeah, they, they're they not a defensive stopper team. Uh, the Rockets should be able to score. And that's something that I always kind of go back to. The Rockets can score on anybody. We saw this last year. We've seen this in the preseason. Again, it's just whether they're going to be able to get enough stops. But it's going to be a really exciting game because you're going to have two teams going up and down the court, scoring a lot of points. There's going to be a lot of highlight plays. And like we saw last year, um, one of the biggest comebacks of the year last year was against Atlanta in Atlanta. Um, so the Rockets just seem to match up pretty well with them because, again, they do have a smaller backcourt and the Rockets can take advantage of that. Again, it's just a matter of what will Apper and Shangun be able to give you against Clint Capella uh, down in the post. It's gonna, I think you're going to see more of Apper and Shangun operating out of the high post than necessary in the post against Clint Capella because even now Clint Capella is still a, a really good uh, post defender. He still can block shots. He still plays above the rim. So Alperen Shangun's got to do something more than try to take him uh, in the post and try to get his post moves against him. Um, but uh, when we come to Memphis, um, again, last year the Rockets had some of their best games against Memphis, like you mentioned. Um, Jalen Green and, and especially uh, Kevin Porter Jr. seem to really get up when they're playing Ja Morant uh, just because he is one of the best players in the league. Um, but, of course, they, they still have Dylan Brooks, who I, I, I have to imagine is going to be the one that's going to be guarding Jalen Green because he's usually the guy that's guarding the other team's best wing or uh, backcourt player. So Dylan Brooks would probably be guarding him most of the time. Um, so they have a really good team. I'm sure they're expecting to be competing for a championship this year because, as we saw last year, they're, they're kind of where the Rockets want to be, the, the team that they were last year. They Rockets want to be a team that's on the rise, that's getting better, and then maybe they fight for a play-in spot, just like Memphis did the year before uh, last, where they actually beat Golden State in the play-in game. That's where the Rockets kind of want to get to. So if you want to see a model for a team, you get the really good player in John Morant, like the Rockets are doing with Jalen Green, and then you get the, the really good secondary player um, where Memphis has um, Jerry Jackson, Jackson Jr., yeah. The Rockets have Kevin Porter Jr. So you, you, the Rockets are sort of kind of ascending just like the Memphis Grizzlies did. So and I, I think that that's going to be a, a really good matchup is Jerry Jackson Jr. against Jabari Smith. I mean, that's going to be kind of like must-see television right there. I, I'm almost more excited for that matchup than I am for the backcourt just because um, you have two players that are really good on the defensive end, two players that can stretch the floor. Um, Jerry Jackson Jr. is probably a, a little bigger as far as uh, if I'm not saying he's probably what like 230, 240, somewhere in that range. Yeah, but they, I, I posted a picture of him recently. He, yeah. He's put on a significant amount of weight. <laughs> yes. Year. Yeah. And exactly. I was actually looking at it, like that is something that's realistic for Jabari to do as far as yeah. body wise. Like that that is the that is his comp right there as far as like his body composition, the way that they looked yeah. as rookies. So like there's <laughs> Jabari Smith is probably going to be like pretty scary, especially if his, his work ethic is what they say it is. 
yeah. two, three years from now, like Jabari is going to look completely different physically. And if he's able to just still be like a knockdown shooter and be able to guard uh, two through five, maybe even one through five at times, uh, he, he's going to be a really, really, really like important player. I think people are going to yeah. like look back and, and be may, potentially wonder why he failed a three. Well, not only that, uh, the one thing, but the one difference is, of course, Jabari Smith is a much better perimeter de- defender. Not that Jerry Jackson is like a, a goalpost or anything, but Jabari Smith, of course, can guard one through five. Um, a- another another thing about that is Jerry Jackson Jr., I know one of the biggest issues they had with him in Memphis was he could not stay out of foul trouble, similar wow. to like Alperen Shangoon. He would constantly be in foul trouble. We saw that in the playoffs. So maybe that's another thing that Rice can kind of sort of take advantage of because you want to try to get him off the court if you can because he's definitely the hub of their defense. Um, so you want to try to get him off the court and, and then when they have to go, not that, you know, them bringing in Brandon Clark. I mean, he's one of the best big men off the bench in the league. So they have a really good deep team. I mean, this is a really great test. I mean, well, much as we've you know been saying, yeah. I'm thinking like, and I, I probably did not feel this way um, heading into the preseason, but I feel like both of these games are winnable at, at different levels. Yeah. I think maybe the Atlanta game is a little more winnable, in my opinion, just because of where I think they are. We don't really yeah. know uh, what they look like with, with Murray. Uh, but just from what I saw of them last year, and I'm just looking at the matchup potential of what we can do against them. Like, I feel like that Atlanta game is, is, is very winnable. I think the Memphis yeah. game is winnable but like lesser so but like I still think there's a there's an outside chance that they could start the season 2 and 0 which I would never have thought like a month or two ago. Well, when you can score against anybody, you always have a puncher's chance. Um so if they play if Jabari Smith can make an impact on defense which we think he can, I mean, it's not out of realm of possibility that the Rockets can win both of these games because Neither one of these teams are locked down defensive teams. I think you probably worry more about that um, if you in, instead of playing teams that are going to be doing exactly what the Rockets want to do themselves, is run up and down the court, scoring a lot of points. Because, so Rockets can easily, I won't say easily, but they it's a good chance that they can win both of these games, and it's a good chance they can lose both these games. It's, exactly. it's really yeah, yeah. Let's, either let's not, way. Let's not leave that part out, right? <laughs> I don't want people to watch this and be like, oh, yeah. we're predicting them to, them to uh, be like the top seed in the West. That's not what I think at oh, all. Oh, no, but, no, no. Uh, yeah. I just feel like they're going to be in more games this year than they were the previous two seasons, and yeah. I think that what we saw them do this preseason is just reason to be optimistic. Because if you remember last preseason, like they look, they look awful a lot of times, yeah. and they started the season awful. So hopefully, there's some carryover from some of the good things. Like we saw, we saw like we're trying to develop a defensive identity. Uh, saw Silas actually break out some different plays. You know, he he alluded yeah. to the fact that he had other stuff in the playbook, and some of us were a little skeptical. But I've seen some different yeah. wrinkles in the offense. You know yeah. that I did not see last year, and they look good. So. Uh, you know, I'm heading in, into this game and I'm looking at what these other teams have and I'm looking at what we have. And I'm like, at the very minimum, I'm expecting us to be competitive. Well, because the crazy thing is the one player I'm actually worried about that always seems to give the Rockets trouble is Steven Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think especially against uh, Memphis and, and maybe even against Atlanta. Don't be surprised. It's not a hot take, but don't be surprised if Bruno Fernando is playing a lot of four quarter minutes just because Atlanta has two really good centers. Um, Memphis sometimes will play Jaron Jackson Jr. at center. And Alperin Shangoon, you know, 
we like we've been talking about, that's one thing he's he's going to have to prove that he's, he's able to play defense in the fourth quarter without fouling. So there may be some circumstances, some situations where you see Bruno Fernando playing a lot of fourth quarter minutes, and you wonder like where I haven't seen Shea Gillen at all in the fourth quarter. Just something to keep in mind as you're watching these games, because even though Stephen Adams is really limited on what he can do, he does what he usually. He does what he can do really well, which is bang in the post, which is get rebounds, which is basically just try to overpower the other other team center. So that's just something to keep in mind because every time Steven Adams played the Rockets, he always seems to kill him. And then they have another guy that they traded for that I don't care how old he is, how horrible he's been, but Danny Green always seems to find a way <laughs> yeah. to kill the Rockets. So he's actually on Memphis. I know some people may not even realize that, but he's actually on Memphis this year. So that's just something to keep in mind because they traded away up the Anthony Melton to uh, you know Philadelphia. Cool, you know what's cool? Yeah. After, you, after you said that, it kind of made me think of the fact that I want teams to go small against us this year because now yeah. we don't have to put Jay Sean Tate as the small ball center. Yeah. We have we have a six ten, six eleven guy named Jabari Smith Jr. and we have yeah. a six seven guy, six eight guy named Tari Eason, who could easily hop out there and defend like a Jaron Jackson Jr. So yeah. I man, I feel like if anybody decides that they want to go to a small ball rotation against us, I think they're kind of playing into the way we want to play. And unfortunately that may take Shangoon off the floor, but that kind of goes back to what we were talking about. You're going, you're putting like, if you're playing Jabari Smith Jr. As a small ball center, just think of how that changes your offense, like in a, in yeah. a positive way. We saw the summer league, <laughs> how, how good he was yeah. at small ball center. So, uh, well, one other thing I want to talk about, um, of course, after we, we just previewed the games was some of the awards that the Rockets may win this upcoming season. Of course, um, they've had the worst record last couple of years, so it hasn't been a lot to celebrate when it comes to the Rockets. We did have some, of course, players make the um, all-rookie team. We saw Jay Shante do it a couple of years ago, and of course, um, Jalen Green. What's some of the awards that you think the Rockets have a, a possibility for this year? Any of the more major awards that they haven't uh, gotten in a while that you think they, they may have a chance at? So I mean, obviously we're not um, we're not quite yet to the uh, <laughs> Green MVP yeah. campaign, although that's coming soon. <laughs> I think after this season, first of all, he has to get these naysayers, you know, off of his back. You know, he has a lot of yeah. doubters and detractors who just think that he. I, I don't I don't know where the narrative came with Jalen Green that he was this like selfish chucker dude because last year we there were times in the season where we wanted him to shoot more, shoot more. You know, yeah. as fans were like, dude, this dude is not shooting nearly enough. He's not being selfish nearly enough. So for yeah. the you know the fact that there is a national perception of him as this like arrogant you know shot checking dude you know who is just kind of out there all about his his own stats like I don't know where that came from. It's completely false. So this year I'm hoping that he does become a little bit more assertive. But you know that MVP race is going to be coming soon. Not quite yet. The things that I do think we're going to be able to get this year, um, I think K- KPJ is a natural like. Uh, candidate for the most improved player like if yeah. you just see his progression from small forward in Cleveland to being in the G League you know basically being cut almost you know they traded him to us for for practically nothing him going down to the G League learning how to play point guard coming up to the big club dropping 50 points on the uh eventual champions the Milwaukee Bucks and then he struggling last head, year yeah. and, and finishing on like a high note and then to yeah. see like the 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 like if you really watch the Rockets you see a difference in his game. Like it is a noticeable difference. It's not something that's just fluff that we're just talking about just to be talking. So I think 
KPJ is a natural candidate for uh, MIP. I think he'll get it. You know, I think he's he's locked in. He spent all summer like working out and you know trying to get his game and get you know get his himself together mentally. And then after that, I think uh, Jabari Smith Jr. Like if if the first game that he played against San Antonio is any any indication, he he's fearless. You know, that's one of the things that um you want to see from him is like, is he going to take those shots? And like, he took a lot of shots. He took a lot of shots that first game. And, you know, in order to make a, uh, we know his defense is going to be there, but in order for him to make, you know, first team all rookie, he's going to have to put up some points as well. It needs to be like a a healthy balance of, Oh, look at what he's doing defensively. And then also he's averaging, you know, 14, 15 points a game, you know, seven, eight rebounds, something like that. Um, And then Tari Eason is the only, is the wild card because um, I think we've all agree like, he has to be in the rotation. Like if he's not in the rotation, like we're, we're going to start a petition uh, um, uh, like on the internet. I don't know. So somebody has to see it. Like that man needs to be yeah. in the rotation full time. And if he is, and if he's getting 20 to 25 minutes per game, he can definitely make like a second team rookie team. I mean, yeah. I don't want to go as far as saying he can make first rookie, but I think he can. I mean, he's been arguably the best rookie in preseason. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a short list, you know, it's him and a couple of other guys, but he's right. He's definitely been in the conversation as a uh, top rookie in the preseason. So he's shown his worth. Um, so I, I think those three guys are like, um, all candidates to like be on some kind of team or make, or win some kind of award this season. Yeah. And that's pretty much my choices. Um, as far as who I think can probably bring home some awards this year. Um, the only other one that's a possibility is actually Jalen Green is most improved player. Um, just because of the profile that he already has. Now, it'll be a little bit more difficult for him because people are going to probably expect him to make that jump uh, next year. Um, I don't think he's going to win Sixth Man of the Year award. Um, even though <laughs> I know some people probably think that he should be coming off the bench at some point, but uh, he he might have a possibility of, of most improved play, especially if he takes like a huge jump. If he goes from 17 points a game to 24 points a game or just yeah, 25 yeah, points, yeah, something yeah, crazy, yeah. then he's going to be in the running for most improved player. Um, but um, like you said, Kevin Porter Jr., that's something I've been kind of saying since uh, training camp. I think he's going to take that leap for many reasons just because it. Another year as a point guard, another year in the same, basically in the same backcourt. It's a, a contract year. We can't overlook that. We know players play better in the contract year. Um, so all those things factor into and just his natural progression and all the, the talent he already has. I mean, to me, he's like maybe top three going into the regular season, people that could win most improved player. So I would not be surprised at all if he wins most improved player. I'll be shocked mm-hmm. if Jabari Smith is not first team all rookie like you said mm-hmm. i mean it would have to be some catastrophic like maybe he gets some type of injury just because his defense is going to be so good that anything he gets on offensive side is going to be gravy at this point um and then like you said with tari it's all going to come down to the amount of minutes is he going to force his way to where the rockets have no choice but to play him 20 25 minutes a game we have to wait and see i don't think it's going to be like that to start the season just because coach Salas still trusts players certain players more than he trusts his rookies i mean that's kind of just a natural thing for most coaches so we're still going to see jay shante i think we're still going to see kj martin uh as well and then um tari eason just probably going to play so well that it's just not going to have a choice but to maybe even pull the trigger fast on the eric gordon trade maybe that'll facilitate the eric gordon trade even faster because they want to get tari eason on the court so, like I said, I pretty much agree with all what you said as far as the um, picks go and who could possibly make the all-rookie teams as well. 
Shangun has a Shangun has an outside shot. I don't I didn't mean to leave him out, but yeah. he's gonna be playing starters minutes for the first time. He has an outside chance. I'm yeah. I'm not as um confident that he would win the award, but like I mean, yeah. he's gonna be playing starter minutes, like I said, for the first time. And then um if you look at his uh per 36, you know, stats extrapolated, yeah. you know, from from last season, like if he puts up those kind of numbers, like he, he would definitely be in the conversation. Um, yeah. but I'm just expecting uh, KPJ to have a have a have an even better year, and that's why I put yeah. KPJ over Shingo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one way or another, I think the Rockets are just going to be a better team um, going into the season. But before we wrap it up, I actually I, I want to end with that. Um, so, what is your? It doesn't have to be the exact win; it could be a win range. But what are you expecting the Rockets to win uh, this upcoming season after only winning 17 games last year? 20. We won 17 the year before and 20 last year, right? Yeah, okay. 20 last year, correct, okay. yeah. Yeah, so before preseason, after summer league, I was saying 20, 24 to 30 was my mm-hmm. range that I thought we were going to win. Now, I think that I think that we could easily win maybe 26. I'm going to bump it up, too. I'm going to say 26 to 32 games. I'm gonna bump it up by two wins. Oh, 32. Yeah, we're getting, 26 we're to 32. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's kind of the range I'm in. I'm in a 25 to 30 range. High end 32, 33. That's high end. That's if you know things really go well this year. But 25 to 30, I think if they get in that range, I think most Rockets fans, I think the Rockets front office, I think even Tillman Fertita would be happy with that. Because if you're in that range, you still have fans excited because they're seeing progression. Yes, they may not get Wimbyama. They may not get Scoot Henderson. But I, I don't think people realize how good this next draft is from 1 to 10, maybe even really beyond deep. that, because I haven't really got past the first 10 players. But it's a really and deep draft. You know draft. what's cool about this yeah. next draft, Lashard? Because we we did miss out on a guy who needs the ball like like Paulo. There's a lot of guys yeah. like that in this draft. There's there's <laughs> yes. more there's there's a there's more like guys who thrive with the ball in their hands than there are like a Jabari Smith Jr. type of guy. Yeah, you know, Thompson not Twins, like, Anthony Black. You know, yeah, as a, a six ten, six eleven uh, guy who can lock up one through five and also knock down the three point at forty percent clip. Like who's that guy in this upcoming draft? Whereas, yeah, um, yeah. you know, there's more there's more of those like shot creator, like creative scoring passing yeah. type of dudes in this draft. So. Uh, like you said, like this is a this is a really good draft, and it's a really good draft to add another you know offensive hub if we if it's deemed that we need such such that type of player after this season. So there you go, you hear it here first. The Rockets will win more games this year. I will be I'll <laughs> be shocked. I'll be shocked if they don't win more than twenty games this year. If they don't win more than twenty games this year, then. I guess we'll still have a lot to talk about on this podcast. So uh, we appreciate everybody coming by. Next week, we'll have an actual Rocket Science, another Rocket Science uh, episode dropping, kind of covering most of the preseason. We're going to be breaking down a few games uh, before the Rockets kick it off on Wednesday versus the Atlanta Hawks. So we appreciate everybody that jumps in every single week and joins us here on the Rocket Fuel podcast. Uh, we definitely appreciate everybody that listens to us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, every single week so make sure you're checking us out uh, next week as we will be dropping another episode talking about the first two games hopefully first two winning games for the Houston Rockets so make sure you check us out next week on the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Man.